Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Hi, Monica. Happy day. Happy day. Happy birthday to you. Oh my God, get out of here. (laughs) I'm singing to the podcast. Happy birthday. This is... True you. Feels wrong. <laughs> Happy birthday, <laughs> Mr. Favreau. Oh my god. Oh my god, someone hurt me. Please do Happy it quick. Happy birthday, true you. I didn't like that. Yes, you did. And many more. <laughs> I sang that because this is the one year anniversary of the podcast. 52 episodes, baby. Five, two, 52 times we have sat at this table and yelled at each other. Yes. Well, except for that one that was remote. There was one that was remote and it was terrible. It was awful. But we got through it. We're here. We really did. (laughs) We are here. We're here. And And it's a special episode because it's number 52. Number 52. So you know who we had to do, baby. You know who we had to do. TBD if this is what we do every year on the anniversary, but... Well, for we'll the first one, for the yeah. first one, why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. So obviously, obviously, today we are doing none other than John Favreau, our Lord and Savior, again. Because if you go back and listen to the first episode of this podcast, I'm not saying it wasn't good. I'm not saying it wasn't incredible. But we had never recorded our voices before. That's true. We were kind of just like... We were just laughing and screaming, which is what we do now. But we do it more structuredly. Yeah, except fuck that person on Instagram who... (laughs) 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 So you might have seen this on our Instagram, but last week we released the Baz Luhrmann episode and someone, someone like... Some big like Baz super fan who's like putting out an edited, like a re-edited version of Romeo plus Julia to just be about like the Montague boys. (laughs) Wait, what? That's why their account is called like the boys or some shit like that. Because that's the name of the movie that they're making. You know, there's a show on Amazon called The Boys. I know, it's about superheroes, right? No likeness though. None. (laughs) No relation. But anyway, so this person commented and they said something sassy about like, great episode, hard to focus with all the laughing though. And we were just, I responded and I was like, we like to have fun. Our regulars like it. So sorry. (laughs) And then they were like, that's all that matters. Keep up the great work. I'm like, yeah, you were an asshole for a second, but then I called you on it. (laughs) And now all is well, Peppa. And we will never stop screaming. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Susie. (laughs) Wait. Okay. Jessica has an incredible, incredible impression of Peppa Pig from the hit TV series, Peppa Pig. Ladies and gentlemen, Peppa Pig. I, this is specifically from the episode of Peppa Pig where she calls Susie Sheep to, to whistle. You know, you, we all know the clip, right? Well, we all know. And she calls one Su- more time. Hold she on. calls Susie on the phone. She just goes, Hello, Susie. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's uh, a crowd pleaser. Oh, yes. A crowd of one. (laughs) Monica's the only one laughing. I'm the one. Aaron's just shaking his head. Oh, God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, also, we have to fact check. We meant to do this two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, but we just kept forgetting. We kept forgetting. (laughs) But how could we forget this this huge detail, Monica? Enormous. Literally enormous. Let them know, Jessica. Okay, so as you know, in the Willem Dafoe episode, we were talking about his very, very large penis. And we said that we had looked up photos of it. But it turns out that the photos that we saw of him from uh, that movie Antichrist was actually a prosthetic. And Lars von Trier gave him a prosthetic because his actual penis was bigger (laughs) and (laughs) legitimately scary. He said... 
frightening, <laughs> alarming. <laughs> there was too much of it. Like I've never heard of someone getting a prosthetic that's smaller. <laughs> I was like, than mm. what they have. It was like, mm, I don't know. Oh. I feel like you might scare the children. Willem. Uh, yeah, it really, really full of surprises. It kills me. It absolutely kills me. Absolutely kills me. It kills me that, that A, that someone would even do that. Yeah. Spend the time and money making a fake penis uh-huh. for Willem fucking Defoe uh-huh. because his penis was, quote unquote, too big and frightening. <laughs> He's in the wrong business, if you know what He's I mean. In, oh my god! <laughs> it's like in that episode of Sex and the City when they go to LA. Yes, and she meets the porn star. And Samantha means no, not even a porn. Oh. Right? He's like a, he's he's a dildo model or like. Oh right! Oh wait, I thought he was also a porn star who like. I'm sure. No, uh, whatever. I'm he sure. has a dildo made from he the like likeness of his penis. And he like invites them to like the unveiling of. Yeah, and he's signing all the dildo boxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, but like Willem Dafoe. Yes. I want, why wasn't Willem Dafoe in an episode of Sex in the City? I don't know. Everyone else was. Literally. Vince Vaughn, Matthew McConaughey. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Others. That's everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Others. You heard it here first. You heard it here. Oh my God. Okay. This is it, guys. This is the moment that you've all been waiting for. Thank you so much. It's been an incredible year. We're doing John again. (laughs) Again. Again. Okay. I'm going to tell you about John again, in case you forgot from last time. (laughs) I did. Or in case you're new here. All right. Jonathan Colia Favreau. Jonathan Cholera Favreau. Did we know that that was his middle name? Honestly. Also, is that how you say it? Honestly. Colia? I don't know. Colia. Cholera. Cholera. Good. (laughs) So Jonathan Favreau, the big daddy, the one who started it all, our patron saint, our one true love, you get it, is an American actor, director, producer, and screenwriter. And apparently talk show host. (laughs) Yeah. If you're, we're talking about dinner for five. We'll get into that. We'll get into that later. John is a classic dabbler. He dabbled in Hebrew school before dropping out before his bar mitzvah. (laughs) He dabbled in college for a few years before dropping out to work on Wall Street. (laughs) Can you fucking imagine (laughs) if John John Favreau was your fucking like investment guy? Murder me. (laughs) He single-handedly caused the crash of 08. (laughs) That was, guys. It was several years down the line, but still. That was him. And then he dabbled in college again before dropping out for good. Just a few credits shy of completing his degree. LOL. Kill me. (laughs) Okay. You guys already know how much Jessica hates it when celebrities drop out of college. And you all know how much I love. If it's early, if it's junior year or sooner, fine. If you're in your fucking senior year, I think it's still silly, but I'll be like, okay, you had a whole ass year still to get through and you just couldn't do it. But a few credits in your fucking senior year. Are you kidding me? See, I think there's power in that. No, you know I, what d- I, mean? I think that's I stupidity. Think pa- no. But then again, these people, once again, are much more famous. I was going to say, <laughs> they are so much richer than you. Shut up, Monica. Uh, I have a degree. A degree in silly. <laughs> Lies. Anyway. And then he moved to Chicago to pursue comedy. <laughs> While in Chicago, he landed his first film role in the 1993 hit, Rudy, where he met lifelong friend and collaborator, Republican daddy Vince Vaughn. He then moved to LA, where in 1996, he made his breakthrough as an actor slash screenwriter with Swingers, which was also Vaughn's breakthrough role. Since then, he has appeared in a number of films and television shows, some of which he also wrote and directed. Most notably, he launched the MC you by directing Iron Man in 2008 and pausing the 2008 recession (laughs) (laughs) and has been deeply involved with the franchise ever since he's also a big old nerd boy and created the Star Wars Disney Plus original series The Mandalorian when he's not being a big film daddy John is doing one of his many dabbles which include but are not limited to hacky sack boxing playing Dungeons and Dragons cooking hello the chef show 
my favorite thing on television. And raising his three children. He has our pride and joy, our North Star. Let's hear it for Daddy Favreau. Mazel tov, John put it, put Mazel. Some, some applause here. Daddy Favreau. Yeah. Mazel tov. <laughs> he did actually end up and go get a bar mitzvah finally. Oh, in case really? You were curious. Yeah, it's kind of sad because his mom is Jewish and then his mom had leukemia, I think, oh. and died and because she was getting sicker, he was like, I should probably go get back and get permits fed. Is it like, it's a rite of passage, is it not? Yeah, it's how you become like a man or a woman. So he was not a man before? It was not. He was just a being floating through the ether. A fleshy blob through floating. This, through this crazy world. A sack, a fleshy sack of bones. An amoeba, I might say. Perhaps a jelly he called a brain. <laughs> Eyelashes, toes, no. <laughs> Not a man yet. Not until the mitzvah. No. <laughs> so this is John Favreau. Y'all already fucking know. Y'all are here. Why are you here? Probably because you were typing out, trying to find interviews with him yeah. on like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, which by the way, stop what you're doing right now. Yes, yes, yes. Go to the purple icon on your phone. It's probably either in a folder place <laughs> somewhere that says podcasts yes 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 yes, yes. Uh, click on it or rather tap on it yeah uh swipe somewhere Correct. tap somewhere else and then you're there <laughs> where you have to write a review yes which it's the rules i don't make the i don't make the rules i'm just saying you have to write a review <laughs> and you have to give us five stars i yeah. mean like I mean, give us four if that's like really what you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no less than four. But like no less than four. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. like, and then, you know, and then submit. Correct. And, and yeah. What we're saying is, does I don't give a fuck where you listen to this, but you do have to go to Apple Podcasts to yeah. review us because that's how we get on the board. You can listen to, you can listen to it on Pandora. You can listen to it on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, but fucking the, everywhere. The Alexa one, the one, the one, the one that, Amazon. Oh, shit. <laughs> Don't, don't say her name. Okay. I'm so sorry. Yeah, do you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know right? what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Also, Monica, did you want to tell us about Dinner for Five real fast? Of course. Dinner for Five. Dinner for Five is a fucking... It's something we just discovered. It is a legendary, legendary show. Reason being, it is like... Okay, it's this random ass show from like... What year? Like 2001? 2001. 2001, where John Favreau... Went, goes to like a bunch of like historic or rather historic <laughs> historic <laughs> he goes to historic los angeles <laughs> restaurants like like fine dining with four other mm -hmm. uh like la usually filmmakers usually like actors anyone kind of like in the biz yeah and it's like ted danson vince vaughn ben affleck <sighs> <laughs> Alec Baldwin, Jennifer Scorsese. Jennifer is officially back, baby. Judd Apatow. Did you see these people starting to call them Gengemen? Ew. I no, hate it. It's and Benifer. they were like, petition to start calling it Gengemen so, because she's better than him. And I was like, Jennifer sounds better. I'm just Benifer sounds way better. And the majority is like her name. Exactly. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I don't know. Ben, it's three letters. What are you going to do with that? I don't know. <laughs> Point is, he has this incredible show and it is just him and his fellow Hollywoodians mm -hmm. all like shooting the shit, talking about movies, talking about their film experience, talking about like their filming experiences, like talking about life. He was talking about like kids, yeah. love, death. Apparently just like whatever came up, they talked about literally anything. And it was like, what it was like a two hour long conversation condensed into like 25 minutes. I didn't tell you this, What? but the whole thing exists on YouTube. Oh, oh, under the channel name, Dinner 4, the number 4, 5, the number 5. But I didn't tell this I, to I you. had something stuck in my throat there the whole time. I know. So, so I'm so sorry. I'm saying don't <laughs> go to YouTube.com. Do not. Do not go to YouTube.com and look up Dinner, the number 4, and the number 5. And the profile picture is not just John Favreau. <laughs> not. Not. It's not that. Thank you. 
basically if you love the chef show which you should if you're listening to this podcast Everyone you'll should. you'll love this i would assume you'll we, enjoy i it. just found out about it today and then i told monica and then i couldn't believe i didn't know it existed yeah so see this is what happened we were watching ted lasso <laughs> lasso yeah okay which by the way i don't know how y'all feel about ted lasso <laughs> the way that i feel about ted lasso I just watched the first episode. <laughs> so she already has a lot of opinions. And I already have so many opinions. First first and foremost, I don't care who you are. The theme song does not Garbage. fit the show. Garbage. It does not fit the show. I'm sorry, Marcus Mumford. I don't care no. which one of the Mumford sons did this. <laughs> the son of Mumford. I don't know which prodigal son of Mumford <laughs> did this shit. But like it, it, it's a song on its own. It does not fit the... It, it, it shouldn't no. be the theme song. The for music show. for Ted Lasso is bad. Straight the up. The music bad. for Ted Lasso is bad. Get it together. Otherwise, I think the writing on the show is really funny. It's quite fun. Yeah. I think it's really fun. Americans writing for British TV. I don't know. Like, or British people. I don't know if it's for the, I don't know if it's for the British. It is, see, there's, that's my question. It, is it for the Brits? I don't know. Brits? Please write in. <laughs> Brits? Let us know. I know one listens to this. You're show. 12 hours ahead? Eight. Eight hours ahead? <laughs> Let us know. You're starting your morning. The podcast has already come out for you. The podcast is already out, guys. That's not how time works. Wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> guys, because time is relative. It hasn't been recorded yet. <laughs> okay, guys, time is relative. I learned this. Stop. That's for the next episode. <laughs> The theory of relativity is real <laughs> and it fucks with you. Anyway, so we were watching Ted Lasso and then I brought up this fucking show, yeah. Dinner for Five. I don't even know why or how it got brought up, but the point is that it got brought up during the watching of Ted Lasso and it made me realize that I wanted to watch that instead. Yeah. And so I looked it up and lo and behold, I did not find it on YouTube. It on YouTube. Under a playlist under a playlist so dinner for just five. letting just letting you know if you want to see like the beginnings of of kind of what the chef show is now yeah i would watch that and also just see something that john favreau loves yeah which is just food and like talking to people yeah mostly food and filmmaking i was gonna say not just like randos on the street yeah he's no billy on the street <laughs> But he loves talking to like his fellow filmmakers, fellow actors, exactly. fellow screenwriters, fellow legends, basically. Yes. And he was doing this again. Like I reiterate, in two thousand one, he didn't. He has not directed Iron Man at this point. No, he didn't do anything. Elf hadn't come out yet. Elf had not come out yet. Zathura hadn't come out yet. He did not do anything of like real notability except for Swingers yes. up at, up at, up until that point. So think about the fact that he was literally kind of a nobody yeah. with this TV show on IFC yeah, and he had got like indie fame and got a ton of like fucking A-list celebs yeah. to come and do this. So now you know the power of Favreau. If you didn't already. If you didn't already. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> so, okay. 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 Monica. Yeah. What is the first film? The first movie is Love and Sex. Love and Sex came out in 2000, written and directed by Valerie Bryman. When her rather explicit article about blowjobs is rejected by her magazine, journalist Kate, played by Famke Janssen, is asked by her editor to come up with an article on loving relationships instead. And to do so by the end of the day or she's fired. Pause for a second. That's not how jobs work, but okay. Yes, it is, Monica. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't work in in uh, in magazines. Print is dead. Uh, this gets Kate thinking back over her own various experiences, particularly her tumultuous relationship with ex-boyfriend turned BFF Adam, played by John Favreau, yes. and makes her wonder if she's even in much of a position to write on the subject of true love in the first place. Wow. I have to make a confession, and I totally thought that Famke Janssen was Hilary Swank. No. <laughs> no she didn't have that little lisp that hillary has first of all hillary swank is a lisp teeny tiny million dollar baby That's million like, dollar baby. she was in that yeah yeah i didn't see it i saw it when i was like really young the only movie i think of when i think of hillary swank is p.s i love you okay monica love and sex give me your first thoughts about this tiny little unknown john favreau okay. film that for some reason is available on hbo max yeah guys Pause for one second. <laughs> Love and Sex is 100% available if you have an HBO Max subscription. Go to HBO Max. 
type in love and sex it's there i would watch it personally i really liked it okay ignore roger (laughs) it's actually really good (laughs) uh first thing i noticed sideburns sideburns it's john favreau with sideburns if you ever woke up in the middle of the night thinking you know what i want to see john favreau Favreau with with sideburns sideburns. then guess what kids there's a movie for that there's a movie for that Um, he's especially precious in this movie. So precious. Because it's the year 2000. He has glasses. He's like, like a really, he's like a really cocky, but has no right to be that cocky artist. Yes. Because his art is like kind of trash. It's like weirdly gory. Like it's paintings of like, like dinner plates with body parts on them. And and like women whose like head are coming out of their butt. Yeah. Weird shit. Weird shit. But I mean, it was the year 2000. So I'm sure it, they had some kind of weird, like turn of the century revelation for uh, whatever. I don't know. Y2K, man. I don't know. Oh my God. That's like an aesthetic now. You know what I mean? Yes. He, wait. Okay. The 2000s are coming back now. Yeah. But there People, are some things that need to go back away. Okay. Can we all agree that low rise jeans were not it? Stay away. Can we all agree that Stay low- the fuck away we, from me. I don't want to see- your butt crack peeking out. I also don't want to worry that your vagina is going to fly out I at me. I don't want to worry about the labias. It has wings. I don't want. <laughs> don't you know that you're my hero? That song was about a vagina. <laughs> that song was about low rise jeans. <laughs> I don't want to see your beaver. Keep the low rise in the past. Keep the low rise in the past. The whale tail. No, thank no, you. No, thank you. Other things were cute though. Yeah. I think the juicy couture track suits are back. Yes. But, Although I uh, have heard that from various people that they are um chuggy. I would agree with that. But oh my I don't, god, really? I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna go down the rabbit hole of what that of what chuggy is. What does chuggy mean? It's like it's not even something like cheesy necessarily. It's something that a lot of people like, but is kind of considered like hack or like old news. Like, 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 like jokes, like tea towels that have a joke about being like a wine mom. <laughs> it's wine o'clock. Like it, it makes you laugh, but we're like, it's also kind of fucking stupid. It's also lame. <laughs> but it's then like, there are other things that aren't necessarily lame. Like I was talking to my brother about this and- my brother wears Sperry's. Um, oh my God. <laughs> which I think are stupid, but plenty of people love Sperry's. Like a lot of people don't think they're stupid, but I was like, Daniel, if like we're going down the rabbit hole of like, what is chooky, then your Sperry's are chooky. And so was, was wearing offended? like chubbies with them. And he was like, then I guess I'm a fucking chew. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's chug o'clock. All I know is that like, you're a chug if you have like a live laugh love sign yeah over your like dining room or like if you like uggs hey i have a pair of uggs (laughs) am i a chug (laughs) anyway anyway john favreau is definitely chuggy in this movie yeah yeah yeah. but at the time very very hip he had those like oversized shirts going for him oh yeah the but like the open ones with like the what are the i know we can't call them like wife beaters anymore it's like white 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 tank top yeah yeah, yeah. white rib tank top underneath or like a white Mm t-shirt either or literally yeah it's like a slightly more oversized version of everything he wore in swingers exactly and like kind of less stylish yeah because he's like a a little bit more bookish yeah he's not like nerdy he's like a rectangle (laughs) yeah yeah he's not a square (laughs) he's a rectangle and yet he's very cute in this movie and very charming except he just fucking negs her the entire time so the way that this works the way that they meet oh is she like she starts reflecting back on her relationships and she meets him at like a fucking art opening who she's actually there with some other guy who was in fucking Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. That's where that actor is from. Oh my God. I didn't even remember. <laughs> he plays Billy Christensen. Um, oh my God. Yes. He does. <laughs> but so they're at this art opening and he basically like sees her from across the room and like claims her and then starts being an asshole to her boyfriend who she's there with and he's like oh no she's actually my girlfriend now and she just plays along with it and then he starts negging her at the restaurant that they're at and tells her that she has fingers that are long like a tree frog yeah and like (laughs) 
and like she kept saying or she was telling him about her childhood and how like people made fun of her and called, yes. called her horse face and he was like oh i love that you're such a fucking horse face like <laughs> <laughs> and then he slut shames her yeah and then he and then and then he goes well how many people have you been with and she was like well 13 he goes like what she's like yeah well 13 over the course of like many years is like not a lot of people and he's like well, then you're just a whore. He's like, I'm sorry. I believe in actually liking the person or like a connection. And he's only slept with two people, which like, I don't give a shit how many people you've slept with. Fucking John Favreau out here slut shaming in the year 2000. Absolutely not. Let's me to him. Just Let, kidding. Oh Please my God. Him. No. <laughs> he don't just, do that. The character should not have been slut shaming. No, but to be this fair, this entire, swing. this entire film is kind of, insane but fantastic this whole film you have to be like in the mood to watch it because it's a little bit like every if you want a guide of like what not to do like how to not get a girl (laughs) to like you and how to not navigate like relationships and how to like not get over a breakup yeah like if you want to watch characters do the not of it all watch this movie that's basically what the whole roger ebert uh, fucking review was saying was that this is uh what it's like to think that 30 something year olds have like adult conversations and you realize that they're actually just talking like teenagers exactly which is entirely correct but it's still a great fun time I it's think. a great fun time i think i think it's it's good enough to the point where the chemistry really pushes it over the edge yeah all the all of the actors in this have incredible chemistry the cast is really strong and it's funny. And I think that those two things outshine everything else. Correct. And it's funny because they, I think they all know how stupid a lot of what they're saying is. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And they're just having a good time. Cause like there is, there is a lot of like really outdated shit in this movie slash stuff that I think they were trying to make read as more comedic, but didn't come off as quite as comedic. Like exactly. it just came off as like cringy. Like you see the scene where she loses her virginity to like her, she's in high school and she loses it to her French teacher. And the, like the consent part of it is like very vague and gray. Well, it's not, it's not even gray. It's non-existent because she's a high schooler and he's it, correct. Like a yes. man. Yes. I meant more just the verbal part of it. Yes. But yeah. Um, so there's like some outdated shit, but then it, I think it redeems itself primarily with John because he plays this like absurdly like, like devoted boyfriend, but in kind of like a... He, his ego is just enormous. Yes. Like, correct. I think, I think in this movie, if we were to like analyze it for three seconds, like, <laughs> like, like Monsieur Freud, <laughs> he would be the fattest ego you've ever yes. seen. Yeah. I mean, like it, the problem with his character is that he starts off like, you know, the notion that when you're a child and you are a young girl and a guy is mean to you in the playground and another fellow youngin is mean to you on the playground and the other girls around you are like, well, that just means it's because he likes you. <laughs> it's kind of that, but yeah. the, the cringier adult version of that. Yeah. And <sighs> yeah. And beyond that, once he does indeed get to a point where he no longer wants to be with her, which is fine and fair, right? The really at that point, the relationship had run its course. Like we, as the audience could see it. Yeah. Um, he breaks up with her, but then once he sees her with someone else, his ego completely takes over and he wants to be with her again. Yeah, like he keeps calling her and saying things like, he's like, oh, uh, like, I want you to have my babies. We're going to have the cutest babies. And she's like, I literally wanted to be with you forever and you didn't want me. What the fuck? And the thing that's annoying about this, because like it is funny and I do love him in this movie. But then again, I'm just sitting here going like, we've literally all known dated a man like that exactly for the most part like he does represent something very very real which is that's that's the bleaker side of uh this otherwise just kind of silly comedy exactly that's what i'm saying so that's kind of that's kind of where where my i draw like my line in the sand with like what i like about this movie and what i don't like what i don't like about this movie is all of the what not to do itness i think accidentally trying to be what to do yeah and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel authentic in that way it just feels kind of like we're gonna do you know what it feels very not like other girls and like not like other guys to me (laughs) you know and i i i I will not stand for it (laughs) she won't stand for it however i think the charming 
ness uh-huh. of John Favreau in this movie and the chemistry, I mean, pff, it fucking blows you out of the water. Like, he's actually a phenomenal actor. He never gets to be a romantic lead because he's just no. not that type. But in this movie, he is kind of a romantic lead. And it's really fun to watch him do that, I think. I think it's really fun. And not only that, but like, he is able to, like, keep up his comedic chops through the drama through like the through the parts where he's like like nibbling away at his fucking fingertips like wondering where the fuck she is who she's who she's with what she's doing like the Mm -hmm. the he's very neurotic in this movie in a way but like in a way that feels very authentic right that's coming from a place of like i'm coming off as really secure but i'm actually very insecure mm-hmm. and that's where all of my bravado comes from yeah it's just this insane amount of insecurity which all comes out in his like art and in his paintings but when he has no outlet and no one to share it with mm-hmm. he just fucking becomes insane and he grows a goatee and it's awful and he grows a goatee and becomes like an egomaniacal maniac <laughs> Also, David Schwimmer makes a really, really stupid and hilarious cameo. Like, equal parts stupid and hilarious. Two seconds long, he plays like a Jehovah's Witness on a doorstep. And you're like, David Schwimmer? And then he you're goes like, away. Da- da- David? And like, friends that happened. Friends that happened. Or it was happening. No, friends was currently happening. Friends was, I think, almost at the end. What the fuck was David Schwimmer doing in this movie for What are seconds? you doing, David? <laughs> Maybe it was like a maybe it was like a uh, Dustin Hoffman in the holiday situation. Maybe it was a favor. <laughs> maybe, or maybe he was like on the same lot for or like something he was else. Dating the director or something. I don't, I don't even know. know. Who knows? <laughs> All I know is I would rate this movie like a two out of five, but the two being a strong two. Like I would, I would go watch this. I would watch this hundred percent. I would totally. Yeah, watch I kind of want to watch it again. Me too. I just want to watch it again because I want to figure out why I keep thinking she's Hillary Swank. Yeah, she's very angular. So angular. So angular, and a very large neck. Wait, I know where she's from. Isn't she from X Men? Isn't she from X-Men? Yeah, she is. Oh, she plays Jean. (laughs) (laughs) You right, you right. All right. Well, that was Love and Sex. Love and Sex. Again, it's on HBO Max. Go watch it. If you have the time, if you don't got nothing else to do, watch it. Yeah, the movie poster is him and Famke Janssen making out in a blockbuster. Yeah, and it is glorious to watch our our patron saint be a be a, a strong romantic lead, honey. Yes. It made like five hundred thousand dollars in the my box heart. office. But what are you gonna do? The romantic lead of my soul. Amen. <laughs> so the next movie is it's John's directorial debut. This is it, guys. This, this is, it. is it. And this movie is made. Came out in two thousand one, written and directed by John Favreau. Bobby, played by John Favreau is a struggling boxer and bodyguard for his stripper girlfriend, Jess, played again by Famke Janssen. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this man, he works with the people he likes, which is apparently yes. is everyone. Which I reiterate what I kept saying about the chemistry between these two and just the cast in general, yeah. like mainly these two. They have incredible chemistry. Yeah. So I'm not mad at it. I'm no, not mad at this. Not at all. Um, so he's a struggling boxer and bodyguard for her, but he hates his job and wants to move up. So he agrees to go to New York city for his boss to help in a money laundering scheme. His partner in crime is his best friend, Ricky played by Vince Vaughn an obnoxious loudmouth who has seen one too many mafia movies. Bobby tries to keep it cool and get the job done so he can get back to his girlfriend and her daughter. But Ricky's antics threaten to blow the entire situation. All right. Classic Vince Vaughn doing fucking antics just giving you so much anxiety giving you because he won't (laughs) follow the fucking rules okay 10 seconds classic bad boy vince vaughn but like bad boy to the point where you want to fucking strangle him (laughs) yeah I had a lot of questions. My first question from this movie, as soon as it started, was why does John Favreau like boxing so much? I don't get it. He he likes boxing so much, and I don't know why. I mean, I know that's like a guy thing. I don't know. Okay. I know several guys who are really into UFC fighting. Soy Jim Gaddy, riddle me this. What about box? Like, what is it about boxing that men love so much? Because I swear to God, like I can count maybe two people. 
that I know in my life yeah. that maybe mo- like two women I know in my uh-huh. life that maybe moderately enjoy boxing, like moderately, like yeah. not even proficiently, yeah. moderately. And I'm confused because whenever boxing comes on, men go crazy. Because men love fighting and but, this is like a socially acceptable version of fighting. But why? Because it's like a man, it's a masculinity thing. I don't fucking know. Ask Dax Shepard, he'll tell you all about it. <laughs> oh yes, let me call up my close and personal friend, Dax Amelia Shepard. Yeah, let's call him. He lives okay. in my neighborhood. Let's go find him. All right. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, John Favreau loves boxing so fucking much. So him and Vince Vaughn are boxers, but they're like, they're not making the money. Basically, like if you took what is both great and also not great about this movie is like if you took all of the stereotypes of like the mafia, the mob, Uh gangsters, like 1930s gangsters, like the kind of like, ah, (laughs) yeah. The, ah, see, I'm gonna fuck you up, see? Like, if you took those gangsters and then, like, got two guys together and were like, all right, let's make a movie about this, uh-huh. this is it. Well, the tagline for this movie was The Sopranos Meets Swingers, which exactly. is exactly, it's literally exactly what this fucking movie is. And this was during the time, it might have been the same year as when John Favreau directed and starred in that episode of The Sopranos because Amen. he's a huge fan of that show. I'm sure. And he took, like, five of the people he worked with on that show and brought them in there in this fucking movie. So like, this is just some, it's another one of the things that John does where he just finds the people he likes. And he's like, you want to come be in my movie? It's my directorial debut. I don't give a fuck who you are, but you should come be in my movie. What I love about John Favreau is he is equal parts inconsequential <laughs> and also highly consequential. Yes, correct. <laughs> this is the perfect example of the, of, of, what is it? The former? <laughs> this is very inconsequential. Right. Right. Where this movie did not make that big of a mark on society. No. This movie wasn't necessarily trying to do anything or be anything. That this movie, of. I think, was really just him, like you said, going, I love these two things. I loved Swingers. Swingers was so fun. It was so great. It was great working with with Vince. It was great doing all this, all this, <laughs> all this like bad boy shit. Yeah. Uh, I fucking love The Sopranos. Let me get my people together and let's do this thing. Yeah. And that was just like for fun, right? Yeah. Made feels a lot like he was trying to recreate the magic of Swingers, make it himself because he's actually directing it this time. Mm -hmm. He was going to direct Swingers, but then they got someone else to do it because you know the reasons. Maybe, maybe you don't. But anyway. <laughs> you know what? So, you should listen to our first episode. Our very first episode. Which I don't remember if we discussed the reasons, but I'm sure you can I think go we back. did because we talked about Doug Lyman. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah, just, yeah. we definitely discussed the reasons. <laughs> but anyway, so Maid kind of feels like, it feels like Swingers is like older, wiser stepbrother. <laughs> I would call it first cousin. Sure. I wouldn't yeah. even go so far as to say it's a stepbrother. It's like, it's trying to do a lot of the same things as in like, like showing a lot of the same things, the same dynamics, the same like dialogue skills, but it's like not quite succeeding because first of all, it's not new anymore because I think that's something that swingers like really thrived off of. It was it novelty. Felt, it felt incredibly new. Made feels like it's not hack, but it's already done because the Sopranos is like, in full swing right now. Yeah. People are already watching what this movie is trying to do on HBO. And HBO is <laughs> doing it better. Exactly. And they have James Gandolfini. Yeah. So like, <laughs> however, Puff Daddy is in this movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I guess I'll go watch this. <laughs> but then the notion is like, well, it's not as good as The Sopranos and it's not as good as Swingers. So what is it? Right? Yeah. And so it's hard to like it's easy and hard to like this movie. It is easy to yeah. like it because John is so goddamn charming in it. Yes. And because Vince is so fucking infuriating in this. And they're it's, both playing the characters that they play best. It's like watching a car crash. Like you cannot look away at yeah. Vince Vaughn. He's going to talk himself off of a cliff and he's going to act like literally the behavior that he exhibits in this movie. Like he's going, he's literally pushing himself off of a fucking cliff and you cannot stop watching him and Sam Rockwell. Oh my God. Very early cameo performance from Sam Rockwell. Incredible. He might be the best part of this movie. I think he is the best part of this he movie. He plays like a concierge. Like, or- uh, 
something. No, it's not. He's not, not even a like a bellhop. I was going to say that's not what a bellhop. I think it's he's a, like so, like a concierge adjacent. Maybe kind he's of like figure. a concierge in training or like yeah. A, you know how they have like counselors and like counselors in training. Yeah, he's like the. He's like a counselor in training, but like a concierge. Yeah, so he like shows them to their hotel rooms and everything. And he pops up every now and again. And he's like supposed to be like super gay because they're in Soho. And he explains to them like, Soho means south of Houston. (laughs) (laughs) And you barely see his face, even though he's in several scenes. But you're the whole time you're just like, is that Sam Rockwell? It's genuinely iconic. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. And did you know that Sam Rockwell was not fucking credited on this movie? (laughs) I didn't until literally just now literally when just we looked it up hotel clerk uncredited yeah because i was like certainly he was known at this point right certainly and he was he absolutely was he'd already done the fucking green mile charlie's fucking charlie's angels, angels that other movie we said oh my god <laughs> man charlie's angels was an iconic film we'll do it someday 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 Some but yeah day. sam rockwell uh, uncredited as the fucking hotel clerk just another testament to the fact that john's just john's just hiring his pals and they're doing shit for him because i can guarantee you he's a great guy i'm sure he's <laughs> someone that is both authentic and also not annoying <laughs> Correct. Very authentic, very genuine, and actually talented. Yes. Because while this movie was not like a hit, nor do I think it should have been. It wasn't even a sleeper hit. Like it was, I I wouldn't call this movie good. I think that this in a way for Jon Favreau is a lot like what like Strictly Ballroom was for Baz Luhrmann. Yes. Like it's a lot of indicators of what become really big themes for Jon Favreau. Absolutely. We have a friend in the house today. Sorry, guys. Podcast brought to you by Carrie Barkshaw, the newest member of my household. (laughs) Currently playing with Maui Turtle. (laughs) Was that the toy that you brought her back from Hawaii? Yes. We'll get into all of this in the dabble section. But uh, Carrie's making an appearance right now. She's a Schnauzer Terrier mix and she just (laughs) fucking has to dig. (laughs) She has to do it. It has to be done. Um, But anyway, yeah, this movie is just kind of like an indicator of a lot of big things or or things that are just like big to John. Like, like you see little beginnings of chef in this movie. Like he has a whole cooking scene. Like there's a lot of like um, restlessness in this movie. Yeah which is a big theme like throughout like his entire career. Correct. You see it in fucking Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> like literally big, big and small movies, big and small. Yeah. You see it throughout his whole career. This like need for more, this like restlessness, this idea that a person is dissatisfied mm-hmm. even though they have it all. Yeah. And wanting to go back to their roots. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a big part of this movie. That's a big part of chef. It's a big, huge, it was a huge part of Iron Man. It's yeah. a big part of fucking Elf. He goes back to find <laughs> yeah. his roots. Like, yeah, where I am mean, I from? This movie specifically, he doesn't have it all, is ch- trying to have it all, and then realizes that get it, like, like making it, in quotes, it looks a lot different than what he Exactly. I think it's like recontextualizing the idea of what having it all means because he exactly. actually really did have it all. Like, he had, mm-hmm. he had what he wanted which was acceptance and like people who liked him Mm -hmm. and he had that and then he tried to get more and it i don't know that it necessarily worked out in the way that he wanted it to no but then he ended up he became like a family man exactly like like this movie gives you a very kind of vague message about like how like wealth quote unquote is different and how things go differently than we think they will and how like plans change but then they can fulfill us in ways that we didn't think they would and maybe they still look kind of weird on the outside like him and Vince Vaughn sitting in a Chuck E. Cheese at the end like it still doesn't look normal but that's like what making it for them has become oh 100% and I think that that's I think that that's kind of cool to like see that kind of character evolution in a in this fucking movie about like money laundering like that's not an ending that you would have suspected It, it it ends up being very wholesome yeah, it's very wholesome. There's like, you know, get a girl who can do both. There's like scenes where they're <laughs> doing like cocaine. 
and it gets fucking chucked Which is all over. Hilarious, hilarious scene. Like there are some gold moments, There's some gold of, shit of dialogue here. and like some comedic timing in this movie. Oh my god, when the coat gets like fucking, it flies all over all Vince over Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> he also has that incredible line where he's like trying to fuck that girl in the bathtub, oh. and she's taking off her shoes, and she says, "Don't laugh at my foot if I have a corn on it." He goes, "No, that's part of who you are." <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 not by any means his best work. It's basically like the equivalent of like a finger painting he can do. Yeah, but, but again, with that finger painting, it's like you know when when you make a toddler do a finger painting, you can see whether or not the toddler has like potential to do other things. Yeah, same shit, right? Like he he finger painted this, but then you can sort of like see the makings of yeah. what themes will happen in the in his future films. I would say. All in all, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like tell you you have to go watch Made. No, I don't but think I am you have gonna to say it. that it's one of those movies where like if you really love a filmmaker or an actor and you go back to one of their earlier works, like you go like this is nice because you see their beginning and you see like where they're coming from and the roots of what they become later. You see their finger painting exactly. It's like a, when you it's like when you're an adult and you go back and you look at your old shit and you're like. That's nice. And you're like, man, I really was a little shit. <laughs> yeah. And I still am. <laughs> exactly. This was the makings of the shit. <laughs> uh, okay, Monica. Bring it home All right. with the final film. You guys already fucking know. No. We've done this movie twice. <laughs> this is the second time. This is the second time. <laughs> no, I think we didn't we not do it on no. his birthday? Uh-uh. What did we do? We didn't do an episode. Remember, we recorded a bonus episode that was never released. <laughs> you guys will never hear that episode. <laughs> because Monica didn't understand the assignment. We watched, we already said this a million times for like anyone who's just tuning in. Uh, in like, if this is your first episode. We did a, um, a John Favreau birthday episode and we decorated my whole apartment. In like John Favreau, <laughs> my whole apartment. We mean the one wall next to the dining table <laughs> with like John Favreau propaganda and like. <laughs> and then I we, made a cake. <laughs> she made a cake. We made uh, alio olio, which we also had tonight. Which we also had tonight in honor. Yeah, uh, although it wasn't, it wasn't as good tonight. It's okay. Know. It's okay. Whatever. Uh, point is that we watched <laughs> Zathura. We had a watch party. <laughs> It was a massive failure because yeah. I didn't understand that we were supposed to be commenting during the movie. Yeah. I was like taking notes during the movie. <laughs> and I was like, no, Monica, this is like a lot. Like we're, we're going to like, it's like a live show. Yeah. And so the whole, if you play it back, it's, it's really, it's just me like chuckling. And me saying things to Monica and her just being like, uh-huh. And then like, go, and I think at one point I'm like, shh, like I'm trying to, <laughs> So, Chef, this is the second time we're doing this Massive, movie. massive fucking <laughs> failure. Okay, Chef. 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 Uh, it we came chef. out. We oui, Chef. <laughs> it came out in 2014. It was written and directed by John Favreau. Obviously. Carl Casper, played by John Favreau, is a disillusioned chef fed up with his restaurant's management, poor reviews, and lack of creativity. After an online battle with a well-known food critic leads to further frustration and a near end to his career, Carl decides to take the advice of his ex-wife, played by Sofia Vergara, and buy a food truck so he can cook his own way. Aided by his son Percy, played by MJ Anthony, and his former colleague Martin, played by the fucking one and only (laughs) John Linguizamo. Legend. Carl drives the truck across the country from Miami to LA, rediscovering his flair for cooking and putting his life and role as a father in perspective. Yes. Wow. This movie never gets old this movie is a solid 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 and just like when i watched it i watched it did i watch it yesterday or the day before one of the two doesn't matter but i was watching i'm just like this movie is so fucking good so fire and john is so good and like it's it's no secret at this point that i specifically am very sexually attracted to john favreau specifically in this movie because he is playing a chef and i just sat there being like what is it about chefs that like (laughs) like just fucking love I, and i think it has something to do with like the fucking audacity of them <laughs> like their confidence and like 
the hands. They do things with their hands. It's so masculine, very I feel like, being a chef. Dexterous. Yeah. <laughs> and the chopping, it's very, like, aggressive. Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're going to have to flag this this episode as M. M for mature audiences. <laughs> because of how graphically I describe the chopping. You're... <laughs> oh. Chop, chop, baby. Oh. Also, I think that this movie was just an excuse for John Favreau to be able to butcher an entire pig. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> he was just like, no, we're going to do the whole, p- like a mm, real pig, guys. Like a real pig, guys. And also, like, it's going to be Cuban food and it's uh-huh. going to be delicious. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and we're going to eat everything, like, on set and, like, it's all going to happen in, in, in this way. Yep. <laughs> I, I recount the first time I ever watched Chef. Do tell. I just remember watching it and feeling utterly stunned the whole time. That someone could put the feeling of, I can be doing more. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of, well, I, I guess this is enough. And I, and I guess I'm, I'm doing okay. But why does this feel wrong? And why does everyone hate me? Yeah. <laughs> why does like the, and by everyone, I mean like the people that matter. Yes. Like why does, is it, why is his, why was his wife now his ex-wife? Why does his son not have a relationship with him? Why do his friends not believe in him? Why is it only like the people out there that are enjoying his food day in, day out? Same shit he's cooking over and over. Like those are the only people that give him the time of day and like what and to what end, right? Yeah. I think that feeling of mediocrity and, and dissatisfaction and like restlessness it shines through in this movie so well, but not in the same way that a lot of like film bros try and try and create it in their films. Right. Yeah. Cause I think he takes it one step further and he also asks himself like, why don't I want to do all of these things more? Like, why don't I want to be a better father? Cause he really doesn't for a while. Like he kind of no, doesn't care. Exactly. And that's something that I love about this movie is that he doesn't shy away from making Carl Casper like kind of an asshole. I think movies like this, a lot of the time really like glorify like the lead slash just like the father figure in the movie. But in this, he really doesn't. He's like, no, I, I like, I suck as a dad. And I also kind of don't care that I suck as a dad slash. I'm just not fully realizing it or not realizing that like I'm supposed to be better. And I don't even think it's like a lack of maturity on his part. I think like he's mature enough to understand something that a a lot of people need to understand about chefs specifically is like discipline, right? Like chefs are incredibly disciplined folk. And that a lot of that is because of training. And a lot of that is because if you fuck up in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. it's like literally your arm. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's, you could hurt yourself. You could hurt other people. It's it. The kitchen is a dangerous place. Very dangerous. Like we're talking like stupid. Have you ever been burned by like scalding like 500 degree oil? Like what the fuck? Or just straight up flames. Or just straight up flames. Like (laughs) you're- Shit just lights on fire. Shit just lights on fire. You could fuck, they have knives like sharper than God did. Like they have the sharpest knives in the world. You could slice off a whole ass finger. Yeah. Things can happen. Easy peasy, baby. So you have to be incredibly disciplined in your craft. Like you have to be incredibly patient and observant and dexterous yeah and you have to day in and day out chop vegetables in the exact same way do things in the exact same way and learn and be better mm-hmm. and like be there and show up yeah and the fact that he cannot apply the these disciplines from his craft to fatherhood mm-hmm. is beside like it's beside the audience like you're kind of sitting there like well you can you can put your all into this into this passion into mm-hmm. this craft but you can't pick up your son on time Especially because his son fucking wants to be there. His son is like, can I come to the farmer's market with you? Can I come to the restaurant with you? Like, I'm providing you the opportunity and you're saying no. You go, oh, I got to make it early to the farmer's market because I got to bribe the blah, 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 blah. I've got to get the fresh pick, best pick of the day or whatever. Like, and you can be there early, but you can't apply that to fatherhood. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it to your point is like really about not wanting that yeah. for himself, not wanting that for his life and kind of questioning that idea of not wanting that. Why don't I want that? Why am I like not in the mood to be a dad? Like what the, what does this mean? Yeah. Um. And I, I think him questioning 
that like his his role as a father comes out in really really brilliant dialogue oh yeah because john favreau really understands dialogue that's why his fucking directorial debut marvel movie is the only one that i find palatable exactly <laughs> and not just, and it's why swingers is swingers it's, it's the why back swingers and forth. Is swingers it's the back and forth yes it's the talking it's it's the nuance yes. it's it's the ping pong balls like it that's what it is it's yeah. the back and the forth the back and the forth and there's su- there's an amazing scene that i feel like gets overlooked in this movie a lot but it's when he takes percy to the farmer's market the yes. first time yes. and they're eating the andouille sausages and they're talking about going to new orleans and his son keeps asking he's like can i go like i really want to go and john's like yeah you can go but he says it like half-assed and it immediately feels incredibly awkward but his son is just like yeah like like i really want to go like can we go soon and he's like yeah and his son is just like well i'm off next month and mom says that it's fine he's like yeah we can go next month if not next month and later but yeah and like with that like little modification of that sentence you get so much information about exactly who Carl Casper is as a father because he's not committing to this. He, you don't actually know if he even really wants to go and experience this with his son. No. He just kind of like likes being able to show off his knowledge about like where he's been, like basically him pre-children. Basically. And he's talking to his kid like he's just like his buddy. He's also like way more interested in the sausage than he is in his child. Exactly. And he's way more interested in like, you know, there's a memory attached to the sausage. And I'm not sharing this memory with you because you're my son. I'm sharing this memory with you because it's a memory that I have of (laughs) my life. I'm eating this sausage that I made you eat by lying to you about how spicy it was. Exactly. Because I wanted it. Exactly. (laughs) So it's just like a, a, a level of self that honestly exists in the world so much that i think that people oftentimes overlook in trying to create it like create a movie about mm-hmm. or, or central movie around because they're scared of creating a, a character that is highly unlikable yeah. and you don't want your protagonist to be that that unlikable yeah you want them to be at the very least an anti-hero mm-hmm. right someone that is not perfect but that your audience can root for exactly and i think in a lot of ways carl casper is not really a guy you can root for but you find yourself rooting for him anyway because of the redemption right because about halfway through the movie there there is a redemption arc that happens where he begins to patch and recalibrate his like patch up and recalibrate his life yeah like i think as soon as they get to miami when he is watching when they're eating the cubanos and like he starts realizing i could be making changes and i want to share this with my son like that moment really sticks out for me because it's the first time that he goes like no i really want to share this with specifically my child yeah where he goes where where you know they're at the club with with his ex-wife's dad singing and and you know percy's asleep and he he looks over at her and he's like you know wake wake up Percy like Mm -hmm. I want him to try this and that's sort of the first indication that he actually cares about his son because you would think that his son being asleep and like literally unanimated (laughs) you would think he would completely forget about him but it's actually the first moment where he's like no 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 like get him awake like I want him up and understanding that this is something I want to share with him because we're in a special place we're surrounded by family and this is the thing that's going to connect us and I think that kind that moment kind of like clicked for him where he was like, huh, okay, like, well, if I, if this is something that I want, maybe this is something I can keep going. Like maybe this is a momentum. Maybe, yeah. maybe my son can help me realize a dream that I never even realized I had. Yeah. He never even thought about the food truck until until he realized it was freedom that he was searching for. Yeah, and that his wife was right. <laughs> about the whole thing which you know that's the moral of the story really the woman's always right the woman is always (laughs) right i think ultimately like what i love about this movie is probably what john loved about making it or rather why he made it is just like the meaning of food and like what it can do for people like it can connect people it can drive people apart like it does in this movie food can be sex a lot of the time like Mm -hmm. like there's there's that scene that I joke always that's <laughs> pornographic <laughs> of him serving Scarlett Johansson the pasta after they have clearly just had sex but like he doesn't show you the sex scene he shows you the post-coital pasta scene 
which is so much sexier somehow. And like he understands the power of what food can be in so many different ways. And I mean, I fucking love that. And he does too. Like the man adores cooking. Well, yeah. I mean, you can see it in Dinner for Five. Yeah. Where he was like, okay, well, what is going to connect these four, you know, five, including him, these five different completely different like hollywood peeps yeah no one's the same no one basically no one's done the same shit everyone's everyone's a different actor everyone has a different style everyone's a different filmmaker blah 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 mm-hmm. what's gonna connect them a table and some food yeah like, let's get everyone around around a table let's all let's all eat let's all enjoy a meal let's all chat yeah right and i think a, a big part of what food does is it transcends language and like time and emotion mm-hmm. and you really just sit there with someone and enjoy a meal with them and there's no awkwardness to it. Yeah. It's really just a matter of emoting and expressing through the food that cannot be achieved with ang- with language alone. Yeah. That I think really shines in this film. Totally. Totally. I just I just love getting to see him like define himself in yeah. this movie. Like this was a really I mean John Favreau was already John Favreau, but like this was a, I think, a career-defining movie because it was a blockbuster version of everything he is. Yeah, which is a big deal. Not a lot of people get to do that to get to represent themselves so clearly in a film or their interests rather so clearly in a film, and have it make tons and tons of money and be like critically acclaimed. Because like I think a movie like this, at least when I saw the trailer or the poster, I thought it would be very like wholesome and kind of like Disney-fied. Oh, which totally. I think is who John Favreau as a figure had kind of become by this point in 2014. And then you watch this movie and you see that it's rated R and like Carl Casper is kind of an asshole. And so it, it kind I think it gave John Favreau back his edge a little bit, honestly. And I think it's, it's what's so excellent about like something like the Mandalorian, yeah. right? Where he kind of just said, you know what? Yes, this is Disney. Yes, this is a franchise. Yes, this is beloved by millions. Yeah. But, and also, what is the root of it? Yeah. What is the story behind it? Who are the connect? Like, what is connecting them? Mm-hmm. And I think he got to do something really special that not a lot of people can do. And I think, like, remember, in remembering Chef and, like, looking at The Mandalorian and then looking back at Chef, like, there's a lot of it's the same. Totally. Right? A lot of it is he was he is a a director actor of notable fame of Mm -hmm. notable regard and they said yeah you want to make something and he goes "Uh uh-huh and then and then gave us fucking chef exactly and they said oh hey you want to make a star wars show he goes "Uh uh-huh and then gave (laughs) us the fucking mandalorian yeah so i think a lot of it is like twisting your perspective of of who you think he is Mm -hmm. and in turn he gives you these like delicious nuggets of honesty and authenticity that really doesn't exist in a space like his totally and in the same way that like steven spielberg is able to show you how things look like through the eyes of children Mm -hmm. and like the grandeur of things and like the wonder and the playfulness and the fear of how children perceive things. I think John Favreau in a lot of ways is like that with through his passions yes. and through his authenticity. And I think he's able to sort of like sit you sit you the fuck down and go what's beneath the surface with this. Totally. Is it's Maui Turtle. <laughs> Maui turtle is yeah. Making. If you've heard like squeaks or clinks, it's it's, it's little puppy playing. It's a puppy just fucking obliterating <laughs> a baby lamb and a little turtle. <laughs> just a ferocious beast <laughs> going back to her wolven instincts. It's okay. She's new. She's allowed. Do you have anything else to say about our deliciously superior film chef? You know, I don't. I think we kind of covered it. And honestly, if you haven't seen Chef by now, what are you doing? What are you doing? But also like genuinely, this is one of those movies I can watch a hundred times. Oh, I do watch a hundred times. Exactly. Like it is so, it's just so good. It's really good. And it's, but it's not good in a way where you're like, it's a family film. It's wholesome because I do, while I do think that people of all ages can watch this movie, I think it has, it has such good humor and it has a lot of shit just like, has like some real life shit in it you know yeah and it's not good in like a it's like a oh it's a classic kind of way no it's good in like a way that is 
sort of demanding your attention in a very specific manner. Yeah. That is like, no, no, no. Let us remind ourselves like that we are indeed human yeah. and stupidly flawed. Correct. But there are things that can connect us and will connect us. And there are also things that will fucking drive us apart. Yep. So remember that, sons of <laughs> bitches. Ah, <laughs> uh, incredible. Well, Monica, that was John Favreau. It was Jean Favreau. Jean Favreau. Jean Favreau. Which brings us to, what have you dabbled in? Well, you can probably guess based on the noises happening in this if episode. If you haven't heard by now, you're either <laughs> not paying attention or your earphones are busted. Busted. Because we have ourselves a young pup. Her name is Carrie Barkshaw, as I mentioned earlier <laughs> in the ep. She's a uh, Schnauzer Yorkie mix, and yeah. she's all black. And she, she has is, highlights in her oh, around her head though. Yeah, she does. She has like these like little like light light brown highlights like around. Yorkies do. Yeah, as as Yorkies do. Yeah, that's the Yorkie half in her. <laughs> but she she has been in my home for a total of two days. <laughs> uh, and Jessica's the first human that she's met other than uh, Aaron and I. So yes. she is making her podcasting debut. What do you she's have to say? She's saying hi right now. What do you have to say? She's just fucking demolishing this lamb. <laughs> anyway, what are you? What have you been dabbling in, Jessica? Oh, well, Monica. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, honestly, the only thing I have to report is that I thought I had COVID or I could have had COVID. Granted, I am vaccinated, but my roommate is not for health reasons, not because he's an anti-vaxxer. Um, he just hasn't gotten it yet. He was having an issue where he was passing out a lot. And so the doctors were like, maybe we should wait and give you this vaccine until you're no longer losing consciousness. <laughs> uh, but of course, like literally the day or like within a few days of his vaccination appointment, he fucking started showing symptoms, which means that I had been in the house with him for several days while he had it. And even though I'm vaccinated, the Delta variant just fucking shit up. Yeah, the the Delta Gamma Kappa shit is so just crazy. So I had to be super careful and I like isolated at my brother's house in Long Beach and then it fucked up our whole recording schedule. So here we are on a Monday night, baby. It is 9.30 p.m. This episode goes up in two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Well, well, it'll make it happen. But yeah, so that that's what I've been dabbling in. Fucking shifting around my schedule and wearing i have covid she's telling us it's time to it's time to wrap it up all right well she's she's our producer so what are you gonna do (laughs) what are you gonna do guys our our hands are tied we don't have a question for this week but thank you all so much for a year of john favreau as my daddy this has truly been an absolute privilege to be able to sit here and yell at you monica and i started this because we were bored um and now it's really fun and now it's just a joy a delight and now it's just like we get to do this this is fat except for one of us possibly has covid and then we can't record i know then it's not a joy which surprisingly has only happened the one time yeah shockingly good good us good Good for us go us i'm so glad that we are vaccinated that we are here and ready to party with the best of them. <laughs> oh, well, Monica, as always, don't sue us, Daddy Fabro. Goodbye. I love you. I love you. Goodbye and good night.